record button. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, we'll fix that. is my face red? Well, you can't see it, it's radio. Makes a valid point. This is hot. hot. This I know, is it's a little warm. Okay, ready? Welcome back to the second episode of Grabbings. I'm here with Bowden Robertson. And Hello. Hi, Bowden. <laughs> <laughs> Bowden couldn't even let me get past my intro. That's fine. And then I'm also here with Robin Turner. Hi, guys. Robin has her voice back. Yay! Yay. It took a whole summer to, to heal. So we're here at the universe. <laughs> a whole summer to heal. That's really sad like, as a linguist. Sounds like quite an injury. So in case you missed our last episode, we... Where hope that we... you didn't, though. So don't do it again (laughs) (laughs) you don't that's not really a threat but if you would like to listen to our first episode you're more than welcome to please go to the gradlingspodcast.com and click on episodes and you can listen to our first episode with Jana Kaufman where she talks about the role of historical linguistics in the classroom but in case you have not listened to that or just to remind you the idea of the Gradlings podcast was really born out of conversations where Justin more and I like would talk. Fights, though. Just more like fights. Let's be honest. Very transparent here. <laughs> and there's and there's still kind of fights. Um, <laughs> but we basically were having these conversations about our different interests in linguistics and what kind of research we wanted to do, different things that we were reading, comments about just pretty much anything about linguistics and what we were doing. Yeah, so the premise of Gradlings is pretty much to showcase innovative research that's taking place here at the University of Alabama. The thing is, is that not a lot of people know what linguistics is, right, Bowden? Oh my god, I know. Every, How many would, languages do you speak, Bowden? I would Who say every time, some, every time I say that, I always get that question, how many languages do you speak? And it's, that's not really what well, we Well, we won't go into that right now, but... I speak two. You speak two, 1.75 over here. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 2.75? 2.75. I count French sometimes. <laughs> I dabble in French. Anyways. Uh, so the concept is simple. We bring graduate students onto the show, ask them questions about their research, and then we have a section called Lessons Learned where we ask them to, if they could step back in time and give themselves a little bit of advice, so to give advice to graduate students who are in the same place that we are now, what would they change? What would what do they wish that they knew? What are the um, war stories that they have to tell us? <laughs> the war we, stories. That's war what we stories. that's what we really school. want. We want to hear about the casualties. <laughs> <laughs> so we have with us today Sarah Finney, who is a PhD student at the University of Alabama in applied linguistics. Uh, she will be talking to us about her research dealing with kind of role playing on steroids today. Ooh. Ooh, role playing on steroids. <laughs> Stay tuned. More to come. So Sarah, can you just tell us a little bit about, just give us a brief introduction of what your research is. Sure. So my dissertation research focuses on uh, simulation that I adapted and developed. And the idea is that it creates an authentic environment in the classroom setting that's reminiscent of what we would typically think of as a study abroad or a a traveling abroad. And so the way that it works is in the simulation, students take on the characters of culturally situated 
sort of people in a context, and particularly in my in my simulation, it's the U.S.-Mexico border. Hmm. So all of the sort of players or characters have some kind of objectives and interests at the U.S.-Mexico border, and they have to go about solving um, some different objectives, often conflicting, which then gives rise okay. to a lot of debate and discussion on that Very part. cool. So pretty much they're role-playing in the classroom, right? Mm -hmm. Very cool. The difference, I would say, though, role play is and role immersion are different in the sense of role immersion is that they're taking on this one cultural identity for an extended period of time versus, you know, you sometimes think of role play as, oh, you're the clerk and I'm the client or ah, okay. something like that. So it's like role play, but like on steroids, pretty yeah, much. So it's like a super <laughs> intense, like, yeah, role playing. Okay, very cool. And so, like, it's really interesting to me to see how PhD students arrive to their topic, you know, like, how do you decide... It's pretty much like deciding the demon. Like you pick your poison slash decide the demon that you decide to battle, right? To get this PhD. I have recently chosen my demon. So like, how did you choose this topic? Because it's very interesting. It's very out there. It's new. It's innovative. Like, how did you get to that idea? Well, I read an article on the Chronicle of Higher Ed about a pedagogy in history. Oh, okay. Interestingly, so it's called reacting to the past. And the idea is that the students take on a historical figure and they reenact a prominent historical event. And that is the way that they learn history by embodying an actual alternate perspective. And then they have to see if they come to the same conclusion as, you know, history. Right. Okay. And so I actually went to visit um, at Troy University, a history class, and they did this. And the students, I mean, the engagement was some was unprecedented. I had never wow. seen learner engagement like that. And they were t sort of taking control of their own class. And um, so I started looking into what could we do with foreign language? Is anyone doing this in foreign language? Yeah. And so that sort of was the impetus that led me Very to cool. say... This is something really innovative that could benefit and really be advantageous for our field. Very nice. Advantageous. C1 word there. <laughs> I really like that. I don't think that's C1. I you think don't think it's C1? I think that's like B. That's, 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 a, B, that's a B1. Okay. okay. Coming from the B1 expert, yes, that is a B1 word. It is word. definitely. We okay. B1. Well, it's a very fancy word from a very fancy linguist today. From a very fancy linguist. Very exactly. good. Um, one of the things that I think is really interesting about your research is that so you're doing this thing with different different identities, and I really feel like it's interesting in terms of you know a really a really big buzzword right now is intersectionality, in in, in respect to identities, and I feel like that's really that's like some really really good stuff. Um, what level do you think this you can implement this in? Is this something that you would do at the primary level, at secondary, post secondary? Is this a can you mold this into an exercise for? Uh, for a 101 teacher or for a 300 level teacher? Good question. So I have only seen it done at the post-secondary level. I've not seen it done in, in lower levels, but I think it definitely is something that AP students, you know, high school level could do. As far as the level at the post-secondary, so my role immersion simulation was implemented in an intermediate, a fourth semester Spanish course. Do I think that simulations could be adapted for the 100 level? Yes. I have not looked into that a lot, and obviously it would need to be modified, right, mm -hmm. because their linguistic foundation is, sure. is less. I think it, the potential benefits would be well worth someone looking into that. However, I think at the intermediate level, one of the reasons I chose the intermediate level was because, you know, there's this sort of bifurcation of language at the, you know, first, second, third, fourth semester, and then you move into content, right, yeah. at the 300 level. In our case, right. that's post fourth semester Spanish. And so this divide has been denounced by a lot of scholars. And mm -hmm. so how can we start to bridge that gap? And so 
the, when I implemented my simulation was at the end of that fourth semester where essentially they're going on either to upper level courses or on to the world. And so it's, it's a good way to sort of start preparing them and, and like I said, bridge the gap. Bridging the gap. It's really interesting because with your simulation, they have to negotiate a bunch of stuff. Like everybody has a different objective, right? Mm-hmm. And when it's you get into those literature classes at the 300 level, you're having to negotiate your opinion. And a lot of times we have a hard time just forming an opinion in the first place. So you give your yeah. students, you gave your participants essentially their opinion, and then they kind of had to work together to accomplish these goals. Like, how did you structure that as far as getting the students to get there? So, like, if a teacher wanted to repeat, like, uh, repeat your simulation in their classroom, mm-hmm. what are some steps that they would take to to have the same kind of outcome that you have? Well, I think I'm going to publish the simulation. So then okay. people can access it. You know, educators, if they're interested in these types of pedagogies, can access it. So that's, I think... Now I wouldn't be able to articulate all of the details of yeah. the simulation, but to your point, how they did that, how they how they sort of enacted their objectives. So, for example, they basically all had objectives, but some of them were conflicting. Okay. So let's say the Mexican factory worker says, I am really interested in better wages and better working conditions. Well, the Mexican president is friends with the business owners, hmm. and they don't necessarily want to raise wages because they would lose money. So it's like... You know, these two characters, which are learners, right, in the classroom, they say these things. And I'm, you know, think about being a learner in a classroom and saying, I want to raise wages. And someone else, I don't want her to raise wages, but I don't want to say that to her face. You know, they they actually start to (laughs) embody these perspectives of what it's like to to do that. And so it's kind of interesting. And so then they start fighting. In fact, one, you know, fighting in a good way, like persuading and convincing. So one one learner went to both of the working groups and, and another learner was like, you know, sometimes they they did say snippets in English. And in this one sentence, the one other player said, you guys, she came over here to convince us because she's over there fighting for her way. You can't <laughs> do really this to my neighborhood and all this stuff. And so everybody's like, OK, all right. You know, so it's kind of like a battle of. Yeah. The- and so you're taking these students who are primarily well, about 50 percent of our population <laughs> of our student population here is from Alabama. 50% comes from outside outside states or international students. But essentially, you're taking these students and they have to, like, they have to embody a persona that they've never maybe even thought of before. Like, mm-hmm. what does it mean to live on the bottom? Well, are they at Juarez or where, where are they at? Uh, yes, Juarez and Ciudad and El Paso. Oh, okay, Juarez and El Paso, right? That was where my simulation was situated. <laughs> it's really cool that these students have to embody, and it's kind of like going beyond just learning the language and more about kind of becoming culturally aware of the other things that are going on, different perspectives. So what were some things that the participants said about having to like take on that persona? What did they say about that? One of the main takeaways I found was that I thought was really neat was people talking about how the students who had studied abroad, all of them immediately compared it to their study abroad experience. Oh, interesting. And the ones who had not studied abroad, many of them said it was like being in the real world. It was really similar to real life. I felt like I was immersed in the language. And so you get this sense of they really felt like they were in an authentic setting, target language setting. Um, The other thing, to your point about embodying someone else is that they began to develop identify with people different than them so they started to understand what it might be like to be the president of mexico or you know and these people and so when you go in depth into what it's like in an alternate perspective obviously that has 
many implications as far as cultural learning, which is a, you know, as of now is a big push. Actful's five C's, yeah. not just communication, but culture, communities, connections, comparisons. Absolutely. And so it um, tapped into a lot of those things that I think are often overlooked. Very yeah, cool. definitely. Definitely. That is that is really cool. Do you want to talk for a second about the results? What were some findings? One of the interesting findings was that learners began the this, this simulation as they would a normal class. So they did not immediately become these you know, engaged, committed, proactive contributors, right? It was a process. And so that was interesting. And so my results sort of walked through, well, what led them to do that? Well, interestingly, it was their peers. When someone would say, I want to legalize drugs because I think it would help eliminate drug trafficking, another learner who, whose character does not want to legalize drugs asked, well, do you want to legalize all drugs? Oh, wow. yeah. And so then they wow. said, Acid, heroin, you know, they start, they start, <laughs> wow. they start peaking their interest, right? And so right. as learners' interests or curiosity is peaked, then they start becoming more engaged. And little by little, they start to realize, oh, I have to, I'm going to have to really work because so-and-so is against me. Mm -hmm. And so that sort of, that was interesting. And so I look at it from an agency perspective, um, Van Leer's idea of agency. And then another really interesting finding was the value of stereotypes. Hmm. So in order to bridge the gap between their self and the self that they had to embody, they they turned to stereotypes and it actually huh. helped them to close that gap. And the learners that did not turn to stereotypes um, were not able to make those connections and they were the minority, but still it was an interesting finding to see, you know, you typically think stereotyping is a negative thing. Yeah. But in this case, it's one step closer to starting to try and understand a group or a person or something that is not familiar to you. You know what's really cool about that is it's very applicable to all languages in a way, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can take this and you, like your dissertation, you can take the results, the findings and stuff like that, but pretty much the manual, like how to implement it pedagogically and you can apply it to other languages. For example, I was just thinking about German. Like how could you like implement this with German, uh, German students, what would be a topic that they could think of? And like mm -hmm. the teacher can almost, the educator in the classroom can pretty much pick a topic that's very interesting to them that maybe the students might not know about and then they can explore that even further. And it's piquing both the interest of the students but also the teacher as well, making it more of a very like beneficial learning environment, you know, mm -hmm. for everybody, but very cool. Right. I can also imagine, um you know, talking with their roommates at night. What are you What are you looking up for your Spanish homework? Well, I'm looking up the word for heroin. You know, <laughs> we know. I have to have a debate tomorrow. Yeah. There you I go. Said, oh, very cool. You're in college. So I'm just thinking about how December 1st, I'm going to finish with my data collection for my PhD. And I'm just thinking about, I know it's very, very scary. But it's exciting. I know. So it just makes me think like, how excited were you at the end when you finally like got all the data and it's like, man, I'm done with this. I would not use the word excited. <laughs> you would not. <laughs> okay, well then. Relieved. <laughs> Overwhelmed. Oh, so that's okay. so the opposite of relieved. Good. Well, it's not relieved. I mean, you are relieved, but it was also like, I have a lot of data to get through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, were you just, like, skimming through it and you're just like, man, this is going to be awesome, awesome, awesome. And then you realize, like, man, data analysis is... I went... This, there's a meme that where the guy <laughs> is... Always yes. Always Where the meme. guy <laughs> is, like, cheering his sports team on and then he just starts crying. He's like, uh... And he's like, yay! And then he's like, uh... That is a very good, uh... <laughs> That, I wow. feel like that's a realistic version okay. of my trajectory with trajectory? my data. I feel like that's just a 
general trajectory through <laughs> PhD program. <laughs> <laughs> every, like, for me. every day, like if at the end of every class, you have these moments of up and down. Well, yeah. I just up and down, just an emotional wave of just an endless march well, towards you, what a PhD you might think or it might, might not be. be linear, but it's not linear. That's no. the thing. So okay. it's this is part of the process, you realize. So you feel like what would you say to like another PhD student for example that's for example me like I'm about to have my I'm gonna be like super selfish not that I'm selfish any other time he's selfish I am not selfish (laughs) I only say I preface preface something when you preface something with I'm not trying to be selfish you're about to be selfish I know well anyways that's okay be selfish I'm gonna be selfish graduate students should always be selfish I think now you're making a case (laughs) for being selfish you're selfish I'm just thinking about you know, when it's time for me to analyze that data and I finally have it in front of me, that's when the true, like, monster is, like, taking form, right? And then it's all you. Like, how did that feel? Some days were really good with the data. Some days were really bad. Did you feel, like, lost sometimes? Like, how did you feel about that? It depended on the day. It just depended on the yeah. day? How mm-hmm. did you... Okay, so what advice would you give somebody who's about to go through that? I would just say roll with the punches because it's not going to be, like I said, it's not going to be linear, you know? Yeah. Things are going to happen in different ways and it's going to be, you're going to go on some down some rabbit holes and then you come back, you reel yourself back in and say, that was not productive. I thought it would be, but it wasn't. I think that breaks are good because I think that breaks are perfect for yeah. when you're writing a dissertation. Agreed. I don't know. It could be like a day. It could be you get on a plane, you fly away for a few months, you come back, and the dissertation's where, waiting. Where are we going? <laughs> Let's go to Sevilla. No. Sevilla. It's Sevilla. Oh, oh yeah, Theo. Okay. Oh, dear. Anyway. <laughs> what is our Theo? What is that? Theo. Have you never Dude. heard Theo? Dude, man. Dude, yeah. man, bro. Theo. Friends, amigo. See, we don't say Theo in Costa Rica. We would say my. What? Outdoor? So, Sarah, just continuing on with that idea, we have this section called Lessons Learned, right? Where we bring in these PhD students, they're almost done, just like you, right, Jenna? She's ABD. You're on the job market this semester, so you're exploding. Money. (laughs) (laughs) No, money. Exciting. Okay. So, tell us, like, Okay, so we are young graduate students in linguistics, gradlings, right? And so we want to know, like, what advice would you give a younger self, a younger yourself? A younger Sarah. A younger Sarah. A younger Sarah Finney, Finney, who's like, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. Not saying that you're not bright-eyed, (laughs) bushy-tailed. They're coming across very the, badly. The brightness <laughs> has dimmed slightly, but I'm still bright, okay? It's like that vending machine meme. Light doesn't work on the inside, but it's still... Functi- whatever, I didn't do it as well as you did. But So tell me, tell us, like, what is some advice that you would give to us, and what would you say to yourself if you could go back X number of years? I would probably tell myself to focus a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I think I tend to, this is might be more personal, but I tend to want to be involved in everything and, and get really excited about a lot of different adventures and opportunities yeah. and committees and things like that. And I think one thing I would tell myself is to be more focused. Be more focused. So, like, for example, if you were to do culture 
like you're doing kind of cultural stuff all the time with well, the research. Well, not just with the but dissertation, but just in general. So mm-hmm. focus in on maybe one research project and see if maybe you could publish on it. And that might be a two-year project. You don't need oh, to yeah. do... I mean, I think I thought, I'm going to do all the things. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, that's <laughs> all not... All the things. <laughs> that is not... Uh, there's a... That, you do that at So I was noticing on your CV that you've had a lot of... Pre- you've had a lot of conference presentations... For me, that's something that I've only done just, I've only done a few, and something I'm wondering, what is something that you've noticed from the beginning of your, from the beginning of your grad career, from preparing for conference presentations, what's something that's changed from the way that you did it the first time, from the way that you did it the most recent time? Hmm. I think it's more centered, I think before I would look at presentations as, like, I would a research project, so I... I would just present sort of some random literature to set up and then go into some data that I had. And now it's a little bit more focused. But I think that just comes with, you know, academic maturity, for lack of a better yeah. term, or when you're, you you get more into what you're researching, you become more articulate, I guess. Because, I like, know. graduate school, it seems to change you, you know? Like, do yeah. you feel like graduate school kind of, like, changed the way that you think the entire process? It's just, like... Hopefully for the better. Hopefully for the better. Sometimes not necessarily <laughs> for the better. Like, well, mentally I... and cognitively, like, different. But, I yeah. mean, what do you think? Well, one of my friends told me that it's like your mind is a, is a hamburger, and... Once you're in the dissertation phase, your advisor basically puts it through a hamburger grinder. (laughs) And so re totally remolds it. Right. And I would say that's a very accurate. And when you're in the hamburger grinder, it doesn't feel very good when you're in the grinder. I feel like I am constantly just being ground up. Just like then you're in you're in a good place. That's where you should be. Mid grinder. You could write a book about your experience of my life. My life in the in the hamburger grinder. My life in the hamburger (laughs) grinder. I read that book. Tales of a tales of a former PhD student. Yeah. (laughs) And what shape did I come out on the other end? There's no telling what shape I'm going to come out on the other end. <laughs> that's the excitement. I'm going to look like a potato probably, but that's fine. But potatoes are great. to a potato. You know. I want to be a fry. <laughs> you want to be a French fry? I want to be a French fry. You want to be a Costa Rican fry, technically. A Costa... Well... Well, it would be French I want to be a papa frita. Papa frita. <laughs> is there a difference in fries? There is. They're called batatas in Spain, and they're papas fritas in... But it's the same everywhere thing. Else. It's the same thing, though, right? Almost mm-hmm. everywhere don't else. Don't tell I think. the Spaniards. Yeah, don't tell the Spaniards. That. Um, a curiosity I had about your work is mostly how do you balance? Because I'm a second year master student, um, and I'm you know much. I'm not younger, but I'm in the. Oh, early rub early it early. in, Robin. Oh, just God. rub it in. But <laughs> you're a little child. bit younger than us. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm in the. I'm in earlier phases of my academic career. And, I mean, we all did the balancing game in college, and that's when you learn how to balance life and academia and other um, pursuits. How did you best balance your personal life, your academic life, other... Your family life. Family life, for sure, definitely. Having two kids, pretty... I am not great at balance. I like to work all the time. And so I think You'll that's probably for academia then. That's fine. <laughs> that can be problematic though because you get you don't see the forest through the trees. And that's yeah. something that you have a problem with with your dissertation, right? You're so immersed in this and you have to be. But you also have to then learn to take a step back and say, "Okay, what do people want to learn about this? I, you know, uh, you get to writing, point. right? So you want to think about oh, it from a reader's yeah. perspective. What if I'm a oh, reader? What 
you know, thought-provoking titles should I put on my, and how should I organize it and stuff. And so relatedly, you know, personal life, you need to have a balance. I mean, I, I'm going to be just a broken record, but you need to work out or do something where yeah. you're using your body so you literally can't use your mind anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's, and so you need to have uh, nights out at the alcove where you just have a beer and enjoy life for a that's minute. That's a free and plug not... for you, alcove. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get many of them. You've used your one. Okay. A, sta- a staple of Tuscaloosa grad life. Yeah. Right that's right. So, um, you know, you make the most amazing point. Like, you have to have something that is not academics, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. For me, it's volleyball. Mm-hmm. For Robin, it's volleyball as well. For it's me sleep, and Robin. Honestly, it's, it's absolute sli- sleep. <laughs> well, if we're going to be real, my number one is really Netflix and Nutella. So it's just that combination. <laughs> That's a great title for your dissertation. Me and right? Sarah Finney are Italian. We've had only Italians on here lately. Jenna was Italian. I'm Italian. You're Italian. Yeah. Not Italian, you too, but that's all right. You're fine. <laughs> I guess. We'll keep you around. We'll keep you around. Thank but you. Nutella is very important in the diet of an Italian, oh. right? So what you run, you have your kids, you mm-hmm. have a husband who's super awesome. What would you suggest to somebody who doesn't have anything yet? Uh, I would say make plans with people. Yeah, so like being social. Mm-hmm. Outside of your network of graduate students in the same department, like I have friends in psychology, I have friends in English mm-hmm. and the MFA program. Mm-hmm. You guys have friends all over campus as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And, not, and necessar- not necessarily on campus, you know, people who are outside of the academic world. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I feel like that's a really good thing for, for me personally. I've lived in Tuscaloosa now for... Oh my God, um, 12 years. And I have so many friends that work in so many different fields. And it's always so nice just to go out and grab dinner or grab lunch with somebody. And they might ask you about, you know, so how's classes going or whatever. And you go into a little bit of detail, but really just you just talk about what you're doing in your own personal life. And so yeah. to step outside of that bubble, I feel like is mm-hmm. really is really important. Mm-hmm. That's Agreed. a wonderful Absolutely. point. Because, like, if somebody, like, if you three were to ask me, how you doing? Como estas? Whatever, you know? The first thing I'm going to say is, I'm not doing well with my dissertation. Like, it's the <laughs> first thing that comes to my mind, right? right? right. Or I'm doing well with my dissertation, but that's right. less common. But not as frequent. academia. Like, would, they're not going to know. Yeah. Right. And that's mm-hmm. so, it's just nice to get out of the academic bubble. Some people, I think, maybe get so, like, involved and they don't even remember that they're in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just nice, like, going out. And when somebody asks me, like, well, how's it going? I'm not going to tell them about my dissertation. I'm going to tell them about what else is volleyball. what else is going on other than my dissertation. No, I don't volleyball. even know. See, I'm volleyball. in the bubble. <laughs> how's volleyball? How's okay. volleyball going? No. It's going super well. Yeah? Super well. Awesome. Yeah. Sarah, we just wanted to say thank you so much for coming and talking to us. That was a super awesome episode. I feel like we learned a lot. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, There's actually one more thing. I had one more quick question. Don't, don't talk. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. That's way more dramatic than it's going to be. But if you had to come up with a hashtag to describe today's episode or just to describe grad school, what would it be? Hashtag what? Hashtag hamburger grinder. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that my hashtag would actually be hashtag what? Just all the time. 
That's probably true. I feel like you live. I feel like you live in the hamburger grinder. We're just though. always it's, in it's, the hamburger grinder. That's why you're saying that's what? your stage. That's your stage. <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoy your to, stage. I really don't want to be there, but All let's right. go ahead. Okay. All right. right. Well, while we enjoy life in the grand, uh, the hamburger grinder, um, join us on our website, gradlingspodcast.com. And if you want to get in contact with any of us silly gradlings, um, our, do it. Our email is gradlingspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again. Let's get out of here, Freddie. <laughs> what do I? What do we do now? Do What's the next thing? You start. I'm gonna you start. Thing, you start yeah. after I count up. All right. Oh yes, sir. Okay. No, I'm just asking. <laughs> okay, ready? Go. <laughs> Oh, my man, you've been trusted in the magic called your radio girls.